I'm reading from Romans 2, verse 12 to 16. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are the righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On the day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Okay, we all understood that passage really easily, didn't we? This is a great passage, and we're talking about a great subject today, which is basically the conscience. And we're going to go fairly deep into some psychology, and I really enjoy this subject, and I've enjoyed learnt new things along the way this time, which is great. We uh, used to live in a place called Port Lincoln, and there we had a, a, a couple of friends. They were uh, a couple, the same age as us, about exactly the same age. They had children. Uh, we were just starting to have children. Uh, they weren't Christians, but we, were, we went to their place a few times for tea. And um, they were very moral people. They lived, you would say, to a, from a Christian. If you were a Christian, you'd look at them and say, they lived to a very high moral standard. Their children were excellently behaved. And the reason they were excellently behaved is because they strictly disciplined their children. They spoke of the moral decay of our society, how bad it was. Um, They lived naturally by many of the laws of God. And if if you'd have gone through the laws of Christianity, if, if, if Christianity was all about laws, they would strongly agree. Not... It's not that they were trying to please God, although uh, the, the wife and the family occasionally had started coming to church, but that was really just a more of a social thing, I think. But they would have agreed with the moral law of Christianity, not to please God and not even to justify themselves. They just thought it was right. Neither of them had gone to Sunday school or church. They weren't from religious families. Uh, in fact, quite the opposite. In, they, they, the way they acted did not look like their parents at all. Uh, they weren't sinless, but they were highly moral. And they had a very strong conscience about that. Where does that come from? That's, that's kind of the question. How does that work? How does the conscience and law, which is all this passage is about, is about conscience and law. Now, I'm going to talk for a long time before I get back to the passage, but everything I'm saying is actually about it, so I don't think I'm going off on a tangent here. But everybody you know, including yourself, has a set of laws, let's just call it your law, your personal law, that you work by. Is that true? And within the church, outside in society, you'll find that in the church, hopefully there's a few people who have a bit more on the same paddock than you. Uh, Outside, there's some people who are really in some different paddocks. But then when you really get to know people within the church, you find that everybody has a few little sub-laws that they do a little bit different. That's true, isn't it? Now, we, we hopefully agree on the law of God, but we do interpret it in different ways. No one agrees with everything. Uh, many outside of the church would say they agree with 
the Ten Commandments. They don't really mean that. They mean the last five. The bits about not lying and not stealing and not murdering. They think those, those sound pretty good. Uh, not coveting is not important, I don't think, to a lot of people. But, um, but they won't go to the First Commandments about having only one God and serving Him only and honouring His name uh, above all else. But the reality is, everybody has a law they live by. Often you are taught this law by your parents. Your parents instilled things into you. Yes, didn't they? Sometimes society will do that. Maybe a policeman through speeding fines might help you along the way with some understanding of certain laws. Um, maybe a school. Maybe you, you watched Q&A on ABC and that informed you and changed your opinion. But um, maybe... Quite often a friendship group as a teenager yeah, changed the personal laws that you have. And um, everybody, and if I said every tribe, I mean every people group, has a set of laws that binds them together. Don't they? And strong families have, uh, when I say strong, you know, you get those families who are strongly held together by something. It's generally a certain law. Now this law that a a tribe has is not necessarily honouring the law of God. It can be immoral. Some some families teach their children to swear and drink alcohol at a young age. They don't see a problem with it. Some teach that uh, sexual immorality is fine at a young age. Uh, Some cultures, uh, probably our own and lots of others, almost every culture, teaches people to look down on certain other people for some reason, because we like to think that our certain one's higher. And uh, often that can be over something like skin colour, to look down on someone uh, who has black skin. If you're in a criminal gang, you could be taught that it's not wrong to to deal drugs. That's just part of life. Yep, it's not wrong to run away from the police. Okay, Do do you understand that? Everybody has a set of laws they live by. Uh, some are taught not to lie some are taught not to speed not to steal and to live moral lives some are taught religious laws that's what you get in the church uh, people, you know we've heard of people who are told you, you, women have got to wear a hat in church yeah and certain rules about it. you've got to genuflex when you do something in church or walk past a certain part of the church uh, and, and this is where I want to start really thinking about the word conscience. Because there I'm just talking about rules. What is the conscience? What does it do? We kind of know that the conscience gives us feelings of either guilt or freedom, really. Failure or success, whether we're good or bad people. And our conscience is packed with a set of laws, your personal laws. Your conscience has that. And what the conscience does is it is always looking at your personal laws and your action and going, is my personal law in accordance with my action? And if it is in accordance, you'll have what's called a clear conscience. If it's not in accordance, you'll have what's called a guilty conscience or a dirty conscience. Does that make sense? That, that's happening all, all the time with every one of us. Um, if our law says, do not lie, and our actions agree with that law, we have a clear conscience. But when we lie, we have this thing, I don't know where it sits, about halfway back in your brain, 
It feels like a dark cloud and it goes, you just weren't, didn't act in accordance with your personal law. Okay? That makes sense? And then I just pick up the racist thing because it's really interesting. In one sense, when people are taught to look down on someone, say, with black skin, they will actually feel an unclean conscience when they relate to somebody with dark skin. So it, it, it's been put into them, but, and they can actually feel a clean conscience when they abuse somebody. Can you see how the conscience is, is always at work, but it is, uh, it's not always packed with the right law? Uh, the person who's taught the genuflex, and I'm bringing that up for a reason because I'm going to talk, tell the story a bit later on, will feel dirty and unacceptable to God when they don't do what they think they should do. Uh, some people will say, you will feel very guilty if they don't get to church on Sunday. Some people will feel kind of guilty when they go to church every Sunday because they, they think that there's a different view of church. So conscience is a very powerful force in every one of your lives. Okay? And, and the laws of your conscience do not necessarily agree with the law of God. In fact, I don't believe there's anyone whose conscience, the laws of their own personal laws, sit perfectly with the law of God. Okay. But it's a very powerful thing and it's a, given, it's a gift of God. But it also, the effect that sin has had on our conscience means that the conscience is very powerful in a person who has an eating disorder. They feel dirty when they eat. Yeah. It's very powerful in the mind of a suicide bomber. Every strong opinion, every person of principle that you meet, the conscience is powerfully at work. Cults and sects, they, they use the conscience really powerfully to control people. The far right, the far left and the far centre, the conscience is deeply at work in those people. Okay. The reality is, though, the laws of our personal conscience are always packed with things that come or mixed up with the culture. Now, people often say of Western culture, Australia, uh, England, they would say the, the, the foundation, the Westminster uh, you know, foundation is packed with the law of God. They're probably talking about the, first, the last five commandments, not the first, but they say that. And, and, and so it's as if to say... Because we all think that our culture is right with God. But the Western culture is also packed with the idea that selfishness is best. Get above others. That, that's, the heart, that's the heart of Westernism. Uh, you know, uh, dog eat dog, all that sort of thing. And so that's not Christian. You've got to see that, uh, it, and later we'll talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in informing your conscience, that you've got to actually question especially when you feel that strong belief about something, it's worth questioning, where does that come from? Is that from God or is that from me? Is that from something that my mum instilled in me or my dad instilled in me when I was a kid? Is that, is, is that, come from, is that coming from the fact that I've done that and I hate it so I don't want other people to do it or I want to look down on them and I justify myself? And, 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 and Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Also, though, every tribe... Every people group has part of the law of God in them. Okay? There's none that are completely uh, outside of the law of God. That same criminal gang, loyalty is huge to them, isn't it? Yep. 
and, and uh, the band of brothers that they have and protecting one another and serving the cause, there's actually, if you, if you actually look at them, they really love their own. Yep. Um, I came to the conclusion with the couple that um, I talked about at the start that they had just worked out together what they thought was right and wrong for life as a, as a married couple and they, they kind of were working towards that. That was their best way of life. They'd made their own, they'd stepped outside of their parents and, and even the local society and just made their own law. So, our consciences also cause us, every time you want to know your conscience in action and you want to question it, when you go tuck, tuck, tuck. When you look at somebody else and go, how could they do that? Why are they doing that? Uh, they're thinking the same about you. Because what's happened is they've just crossed one of your personal laws and you're always crossing their personal laws and your conscience, your conscience is angry with them. And their conscience is probably angry with you. Do you understand that? Okay. So what happens when we don't act in line with the law of our conscience? Okay, so when we have a belief that we believe is right... And then we start acting against that. Now I want to go to another passage, and uh, I don't know how hard it is to get 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 3 up. 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 3. Um, And this is talking about what's called a seared conscience. Now the, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So these people were in the faith, they departed from the faith, and they changed the laws of God to become the laws of themselves. They they, they changed the laws of it, and they would no longer allow for marriage, uh, and they said, don't eat this food, and they had very strong consciences about these. Okay, Now, this is not to have a go at vegetarians. Not all vegetarians are from the devil. Do you understand? <laughs> Quite a few. No, no, no. <laughs> um, because the, the average vegetarian hasn't been part of the church and, and, and departed and changed the law of God. It's not about that. Okay, But, so, I'll say it again. Not all vegetarians have a demon. But... Um, but uh, what this is, is a person who was walking in God's ways, who believed in God's laws, and then changed them, changed their actions, and become very much into those changed actions, away from the teaching of God. And it said their consciences were seared as with a hot iron. Now, during lockdown, I've got a good story about searing. It's not, it's not, a, it's not the most, most glorious story, but I'm going to tell it. Uh, I was doing some. I had, you know those little primus burners with a little shh, very hot flame. You know, I was doing some varnishing, and you get the bubbles out with one of those. And my daughters were there, and you know, when your daughters there, you always show off with your daughters. If you've got daughters, you'd know that. And I was just showing them how I could do this. You know, I flick it up and catch it while it was burning hot. What's the problem? And I did it. I did it perfectly. I practice doing things like this all the time. I'm always flicking and catching. And I went, yeah. And then I went down and I touched it on the back of my leg. And I had this imprint. It was a beautiful imprint of the burner on there. And, and whilst it hurt, what it actually created was a, a bit of skin that was really quite dead. 
you couldn't feel it, you know, like a callus. And it created this feeling, which it was important that I did that so I could tell the story today. Um, one of my daughters did call me names, but that's okay. But what happens when you are seared with a hot iron is you end up with, with a dead spot. You end up without any senses in a certain area. And you know you can see your conscience. Let's just go back to lying. If you say, I, I believe I shouldn't lie, but then you lie, and then you lie, and then you lie, and then you lie. Eventually you see your conscience, and it doesn't feel painful to lie anymore. Yeah? You know that feeling? It's, it's, as, though you're, you, yeah, it's as though your conscience has been seared. Right. Repeated action. Okay. I, you have a dead spot. And even as Christians, we have to be really aware that sometimes we sear our consciences against the good law of God. We do. We play it down and we play it down and we play it down in our mind and we actually get a, get a hard spot. And it's great when the work of the Spirit, where, where he actually turns that, that hardened, callous skin into soft skin again. And he, and he does. And I'll talk about that more in a minute. Okay. That's my background for the passage. <laughs> now we're just going to look at Romans. You'll see it's all, all, all relevant, hopefully. But starting in verse 12. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. So some people have never heard of the law of God, and they sin, and they're going to be judged because the wages of sin is death. Others do know the law of God, right? Maybe they were taught the Bible as children or whatever, and they sin, and they'll be judged accordingly, and for them, the wages of sin is death. <laughs> okay, so really, the truth is, everybody sins against the law of God, and none will be judged as righteous by their own obedience. Okay, Paul's already said that a number of times. He's going to say it right through the book of Romans. Um, in the end, we, we do like God's law as Christians, but what we often end up doing is really liking the bits that we agree with. So we kind of end up with our own laws. And so we, we know, none of us really perfectly have the law of God, but as I say, the Holy Spirit is always working, renewing our sensitivity to his law. We know that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That gift came not from ourselves. Do you get that? A righteousness from God. So it wasn't from our obedience to God's law, it was from God's gift through Jesus Christ of obedience to the law. For it's not the hearers of the Lord who are, who, law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. The only ones who will be counted as not guilty before God, that's justified. The only ones who will be counted righteous are those who obeyed all of God's law. Now, the truth is none of us really know fully the God's law, so it's a bit unfair, isn't it, that God would judge us. How could he judge people who don't know his law by that law? Isn't that unfair? You didn't tell me I shouldn't, you know, speed. You didn't tell me it was a 60 zone. And, you know, we might think that's justified. You didn't tell me I couldn't kill people. What's wrong with killing people? Yeah, it's funny, you know, they have a, a statement in courts, isn't it? Ignorance is no excuse. Yeah, it's probably fair enough. It's true with the law of God. But, you know, I reckon that if, let's just say, we didn't have to come up to God's standard, let's just say, right, Sue, pick on you, you've got your own standard, 
you don't have to come up to God's standard, you just have to come up to your standard. How's that working out for you? I'm going to judge you by your standard. We'd fail just the same, wouldn't we? Yeah. And in fact, I think our conscience, our laws would be just a lot harder than God's sometimes because we include all sorts of little things in extra laws like how clean the house has to be in certain areas, how we dress, all those sort of things. You know, we had, we had heaps more on that make it just about impossible for ourselves or any other person to come up to them. So, but at the end of the day, we will be judged by God's laws. Okay. Now, verse 14. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they're a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. All people have some aspect of God's law, uh, and the people who have never heard God's law instinctively know some things are just plain wrong, don't they? They just know it. Their consciences accuse them if they do it wrong and excuse them if they get it right. The conscience is, is powerfully at work, as I said, in, in, in everybody. But no one obeys God's laws, no one gets that right, and therefore everybody has a guilty conscience, and everybody has seared their consciences in all sorts of ways to things they know to be right. So what's our hope? Well, it's on that day when, according to my gospel, Paul says, my gospel, my good news that I've got for you through Jesus Christ, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Ouch, the secrets. That made it even harder, didn't it? Not just what you see of me, but the secrets in my heart. Every thought now gets judged. Mm. Guilty. God does not judge people by their own laws at the end of the day or their obedience. Actually, our only hope is the gospel that we are judged according to to what Jesus has done for us. Otherwise, we are all without hope. He judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. In other words, he looks at Derek through Christ Jesus. That's the only thing that can possibly save me. Because when he sees me, he sees the righteousness of Christ because of the faith in Christ that we live by. Does that make sense? Without that... We, there is not a, a law abider in the whole world. Actually, it's not just, we're not just talking about when we become a Christian. We're often searing our consciences as Christians and we end up sinning all the more. You see, what, what happens is if we sear our consciences against ongoing sin by saying, I don't want to, because some people do this, we're talking about in Christianity, say, I don't really sin. I'm a Christian, or I prefer not to talk about sin because I'm a Christian. Um, it doesn't really matter. I've already been forgiven. And sort of just push that aside. You end up sinning all the more because you, you, you actually see your conscience. You can be in a dangerous situation. Whereas uh, John 1 John 1, and we, I know we preached on this last year, provides a, a great way to be set free from this, from this uh, process of, of sinning as Christians. He says, confess your sins. Confess them to God. 
and, and God's faithful and just and will forgive all our sins. In other words, look to the gospel. It doesn't kill you to confess your sins. It doesn't. Uh, I think that some people are afraid, you know, there's this thing in our society called manifesting where they believe if they say a word that it become true and they're thinking that if, if I say that I'm a sinner, then I'll become a sinner or something like that. And I don't know. I don't really know. But all I know is this. If you constantly confess your sins and look to Jesus and know that his, the, the blood of Christ goes on washing you, you rely upon him, you are constantly hearing the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Can you see that? We, we are turned back to relying on Christ all the time. And we need that because our consciences cause us to go a little bit crazy sometimes. And we're justifying and self-justifying, doing all these things in our head, and we don't need to. We can just look to Christ and get on with our lives. Confess our sins. We know he's faithful and just. He'll forgive us all our sins, so go to him. Now, the next thing, uh, just the last thing really I want to talk about is this, though. When we trust in Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit does is begins a process, you can call it sanctification, but there's another part to it really, which is part of that sanctification, is the Holy Spirit starts to convert our personal law to the law of God. So we used to do things and all of a sudden we think, oh, I used to do that freely and now I do it and it hurts. I know it's wrong. And that doesn't happen immediately, but as time goes on, the Holy Spirit changes our laws to be in accordance with his laws. It's a beautiful thing. It's not a painless thing. It feels like this. Do you know, you, I, I like that when people say, your apple cart's upset. And you picture someone coming along, they're, they're at the market, they've got the apple cart and a perfect pyramid of beautiful apples right up to the one on the top. And, and they've, they've actually spent hours getting that right, so it looks nice. They don't really want someone to buy an apple because it messes up the, the beauty of this pyramid of apples. And they're pushing it into the market and they, they hit a brick and uh, on one wheel and up and there goes all the work, the whole apple cart. You know, the work of the Holy Spirit can be like that. He can actually uh, upset your apple cart because all the things that you've been doing, thinking that is wonderful, suddenly you go, hmm. Oh. And all the things that you thought were wrong, you suddenly go, oh, do you understand? It's like, I, I, I know um, we can think, receive the Holy Spirit. It's just like, you know, I've just drunk uh, four of those um, power drinks and everything's going to be great for me. You receive the Holy Spirit and suddenly you're conscious of your sin. <laughs> you understand? We, um, you know, we heard from Alex and Fraser the other week, and uh, sorry about this to say this, but it sounds like your apple cart's been knocked over, <laughs> and 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 God's changing the way you think about things, and that's good, not easy, good, because what is happening is God is starting to do a wonderful sanctifying work where He's making your laws come in accordance with His laws. And that exposes everything. And it feels like, well, it's kind of like we're naked. And we are. We're naked of our own righteousness. And all we can do is look to Christ, look to what he's done, constantly confess it up and say, I need you. 
confess your sins and again receive the clear conscience. Um, the closer we live to him, the more we remind ourselves, forgiven, he is the conscience cleanser. Okay. I do want to tell you a story. I've told it before, I don't, it doesn't care, but it's about a lady from uh, Port Lincoln and uh, uh, one time, the story started for me in a different way. It started for her. For me, I went into an old folks' home, quite similar to this, and I took a service on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, and I gave uh, communion to the people. I finished the service, and then as I was packing up my gear, putting my Bible away and stuff, a, a, a PCW, pastoral care worker from uh, the nursing home, came up to me and said. Would you mind if I took communion? Now I'd seen her at church. I, a bit, I didn't really know her, and and at that time we had this kind of buzzword in our in our little group, and that was full forgiveness. We were going around saying you're fully forgiven through Christ. So I said, yeah, you can take communion, but I just want you to know one thing: you are fully forgiven. And then I gave her some communion, and 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 she turned and she went away fairly quickly. And I thought as she walked away that I saw a tear in her eye, but I didn't think much about it, really. And then about 18 months later, I was asked by a group of ladies to lead a Bible study. And, and she came along. And uh, for the first week, we sort of told our stories where we'd, we'd come from. And she told her story. She grew up in Darwin. She grew up in the Catholic Church. And, and she was taught... Uh, many, many very strong, not all Catholics are like this, but she was taught very strong Catholic laws. And the, the genuflex thing was important. She had to do it not just when she uh, walked into a church. She had to do it when she passed the church. In fact, she was instructed that she must do it when she passed the street that had the church in it. Now, that might sound <laughs> far-fetched. She said she was 12 years old. And in a rebellious moment, she was riding her bike home from school and she went past the street, church is 100 metres down that way, and she didn't genuflex on purpose. And she, was, she came under a massive conviction, not of the Holy Spirit, a conviction of the conscience. And she said she went home and she sat under her house and she cried because she knew she was going to hell. And then she said, and then I, she married him non-Catholic uh, later and had children and, and you sort of think what's that little genuflex thing that doesn't matter that much does it not to her she was 40 years old and her whole life was that of guilt and regret and accusation because she had out God she was not an immoral person she was a very moral person but she had done something wrong and she was crushed with that guilt her conscience had been packed with laws that were not the law of God. And then she said, and then one day I was at work and I saw Derek there doing leading a service and, and he said to me, you're fully forgiven. And she said, and I, I, she said, I had to run off. I hid in the cupboard and cried because I experienced the full forgiveness of God. What God does is a marvellous work of restoring our consciences. Firstly, he cleanses it completely through the cross and he goes on cleansing it through the cross. And secondly, he gives us the Holy Spirit who is always at work renewing, not to crush us, not to kill us, but to renew us in our life to God's good law. And it's a great life being a Christian. There is nothing more free 
We can live with clean, pure, wonderful consciences through Jesus Christ, who came in the love of the Father and has given us the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray. Father, I want to thank you for the forgiveness of sins that you give us. And we want to confess freely today, we have not come up to your law. We've fallen short of it in so many places. We've sinned against you in our thoughts, in our words and in our actions. We are not worthy to be called your children. But Father, we give thanks that you are the God who is merciful and gracious, that you have sent your Son, that he has forgiven us our sins, that we can know that we are new and cleansed and we can live in that word that you have spoken. It is finished. And Father, I pray that you would make us men and women who are open to the leading of your Holy Spirit. That as you show us right and wrong, as you show us your law, that we would say, speak Lord, your servant's listening. And Father, that you would teach us to walk in your ways, that we would love your ways, that we would love your laws. And Father, I pray also that you would expose in us those little laws, those personal laws, which are just not from you, those things that make us feel guilty when we really don't need to feel guilty. I pray that you expose all those that we could live in all the fullness it is to be called children of God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.